Hello, Marvelites, who are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 575. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Lorraine Sink, agent of the holidays. That's right, Halloween is over. We're moving on. It's glitter and tinsel and uh, snowflakes from here on out, everybody, from one extreme to the other. We were discussing in my house when to take down Skelly and the rest of our Halloween boo crew. The boo crew. That's great. We're going to have to figure out what our jingle jangle is. What what would it be? Holiday hoopla? <laughs> our, our winter wonder wimps? <laughs> the winter wonder wimps. We'll talk about that more as we get closer to wonder wimp <laughs> season. But this is the official Marvel podcast where we talk about what's happening this week in Marvel, whether it's games, comics, movies, TV, or whatever we are excited about. And we got some cool stuff. We have a Marvel Studios chat for you later this episode. Who are we talking with? We're talking to Rodney Fuentebella, who is a visual development supervisor at Marvel Studios and has worked on some incredible things throughout his tenure at Marvel Studios, including but not at all limited to Alligator Loki. So we will get to talk about that and much more later on in the episode. But we have more Marvel Studios goodness because Marvel Studios Black Panther Wakanda Forever is but one week away. And listen, Mm -hmm. listen, folks, the premiere happened. Of course, you can go back and watch all of that over on Marvel.com or the Marvel YouTube channel. But listen, so far, so good. I haven't seen any spoilers, but that does not mean that they aren't coming for you. So do what you got to do. Stay off the Internet if you don't want spoilers, whatever it takes. And if you do see the movie early somehow, Mm -hmm. please don't spoil it for anyone. Be cool, as we like to remind you folks. And of course, you can head over to marvel.com, check out all those interviews from the premiere and all that wonderful stuff. Of course, you should go experience Marvel Studios Black Panther Wakanda Forever in theaters November 11th, which is so soon. Go get your tickets if you haven't already. Go get those tickets. And of course, you're going to be excited about the film. You want to experience it in every possible way, like a soundtrack, of course. Rihanna has a new song for the soundtrack. She was on the red carpet. I'm super duper thrilled because obviously folks have been asking her on red carpets for a very long time. When's the next album? When's the next song? When are we going to hear the next thing from you? And I think it's extremely cool that uh, this brought Rihanna out. Yeah. Just the best. I was delighted to see our pal and former Marvel writer, Brian Michael Bendis, posting on his Instagram from the carpet. He brought his daughters to the carpet for Marvel Studios Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and he helped originate the character of Riri Williams, Mm -hmm. aka Ironheart. And he posted on Instagram how he named Riri after Rihanna and got to introduce his daughters to stars there. Like, just... His whole joy of experiencing all this makes me so happy. So seeing that and everything is coming full circle. It's beautiful stuff. It's a great time to be a Marvel fan. In other Wakanda news, there is a new podcast, Wakanda Forever, the official Black Panther podcast from Proximity Media, Marvel Studios, and Marvel Entertainment. The first episode is now available across all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And the announcement is for an upcoming six-episode podcast about the making of the highly anticipated film Marvel Studios' Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which of course we know is opening in theaters nationwide on November 11th. And it explores the next chapter in the story of Wakanda, and it honors, of course, the remarkable legacy of Chadwick Boseman. And it is hosted by National Book Award-winning author, journalist, and writer for Marvel Comics' Black Panther, Ta-Nehisi Coates, 
This is so incredible. So excited for this. Yeah, very, very cool. Of course, that's the first episode right now. Subsequent episodes will be available weekly in January 2023, celebrating the five-year anniversary of the first Marvel Studios Black Panther film. Guests for those episodes will include cast and crew, including stars Angela Bassett and Dominique Thorne, score and soundtrack composer and producer Ludwig Goodenson, producers Kevin Feige and Nate Moore, and more. Can't wait. Definitely go check out the first episode now wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, and if you want to learn more about cool things, go to Disney Plus because the Marvel Studios Assembled She-Hulk Attorney at Law episode is now available to watch and stream and enjoy. I'm glad we have this regular stream of behind the scenes joy. Yeah, it's on Disney Plus right now. So definitely go check out Marvel Studios Assembled, the making of She-Hulk Attorney at Law. But uh, also a little shout out to the Marvel crew here. We did some behind the scenes videos for Marvel.com and the Marvel YouTube channel about how they take Tatiana Maslany and turn her into She-Hulk with computer generated VFX. And it is so cool. Some of the behind the scenes are so fun to see her in her like little gray pajamas <laughs> with like a face camera on doing the She-Hulk stuff but then you get to see her as she's magically shifted into this huge thing you have to see it too because she has this like huge she essentially has like a ruler with the she-hulk face at the top as a reference because she's a very petite lady i mean by my standards i'm quite tall but you know she's a petite lady with this huge yardstick with like a face cut out hanging over her head it's fabulous you have to go watch it i've loved hearing her in various interviews and things talk about how she just tries to mess with her co-stars and so they're trying to look at the she-hulk face above her and she's making dumb faces and and goofing around (laughs) and trying to break them while they're doing it like that's good let's have some fun Let's shift gears a little bit because we want to talk about some toys, some Marvel Studio selects. We have some new artist series debuts from Funko Pops, and you can get these at Target. There are three new ones. They bring a brand new artist series to life. There's Black Panther, Shuri, and Miles Morales featuring all over designs, which are going to vary from figure to figure. They're available for pre-order now. You can see them over on Marvel.com. Miles in particular has like, you can really see the Spidey heads all over them. They're really fun. And we've been talking about the Marvel Studios Select stuff for a little while. So be on the lookout for more of these to arrive in store and online at Target, and then check back next month for more reveals. I really love these because, you know, they have like a cool artistic bent to them and they have like really textured design. Yeah. They're really cool. Mm-hmm. All right. We've got some cool stuff coming down the road for Marvel games. First up, we've got Marvel Future Fight version 850. It's a new update, which is inspired by Marvel Studios Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And it is now available where players can experience a newly added character who's M'Baku. Yeah. There's also new uniforms for Shuri, Namor, and Riri Williams, as well as new comic card deck, plus new tier upgrade is available for Namor, new skills that have been added for Ironheart and Moon Girl to further enhance the overall game experience. There's a dimensional rift convenience that's been improved for all the players to enjoy. If you haven't yet, go download Marvel Future Fight from the App Store or Google Play. It's super fun and a really great way to uh, celebrate some good old Wakanda-ness. Yeah. Coming in, oh my gosh, a month. One month, Lorraine. One month and it's it's December. Holy moly, we are going to be playing Marvel's Midnight Suns. And to get you ready for the brand new game, the team at Marvel Games and 2K have put together a series of prequel shorts. These are little animated short videos 
that you can watch on Marvel's YouTube, 2K's YouTube, and Marvel.com. The first one went up this week, and it features the Salem sisters and a bunch of other familiar faces for Marvel fans. It also helps us learn a little bit about the Hunter's origin story going all the way back into the 1600s. The Hunter is sort of the protagonist of Marvel's Midnight Suns. You'll see a lot more of them when you're playing the game. But this is the first of five short videos giving us backstory about the villain Lilith and how she became the mother of demons. And so you can watch for Blade, Ghost Rider, Magic, and Nico Minoru, and the rest of the Midnight Suns crew. These are super cool. If you're into animation of any kind, you're going to dig the crap out of this. They're so good. Yeah, and there's been a season pass reveal, mm -hmm. which is Deadpool. For those of you who have been wanting Deadpool to be in a game for your fun and enjoyment, he will be joining Midnight Suns in early 2023 as part of the season pass with Venom, Morbius, and Storm. There's a very fun trailer over on Marvel.com. Lorraine, would you say in 2023, if you are playing Marvel's Midnight Suns, it will be Morbin time? I would, in fact, say that because Deadpool says it himself in the trailer. <laughs> yeah. um, I honestly have really appreciated how much the whole world has, has God bless into us, Mormon everyone. Time. <laughs> Truly a New Year's gift to us all. So if you want, you can head on over to MidnightSuns.com. You can pre-order the all-new tactical RPG that is, as you know, from 2K and Fire Axis Games, coming to PC, PlayStation 5, and Xbox Series X and S on December 2nd. But you can pre-order it right now. Get your season pass on so that you can uh, make it morbid time with Deadpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Morbid up, baby! Another really cool piece. There's not a lot of detail here, but we heard that EA and Marvel Entertainment, they've announced a multi-title collaboration to make action-adventure games. We got a little bit of a sense of this when we got the announcement about the new Iron Man game that is coming from Motive Studios and Marvel Games, of course. So this one, we know that there will be at least three new action-adventure games that will be available for consoles and PC. Each of these games will be their own original story set in the Marvel Universe, with the first title in development being the single-player, third-person action-adventure Iron Man game. One of the cool pieces of information about all of this is that the Iron Man title, the motive team that is making the Iron Man title is being led by Olivier Pro, who has previously worked on Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, which was so fun. An award winner. Truly, like, as a fan of that game, this makes me so much more excited. It's real cool. Look out for more about all of that good stuff from EA and Marvel Games coming in the future. I'm sure there will be lots more news about that coming to Marvel.com as it becomes available to us. Also, big anniversary is here for Marvel Puzzle Quest. And uh, Ryan, I'm, I thought I might call up my pal Joe Fletcher, who's a producer for Marvel Puzzle Quest, and uh, get a little inside scoop. Great. You do that. I'm going to go refill my coffee. Ring, ring, ring. Twin phone. Ring, 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 ring. Joe's phone. Hello? Hey, Joe, it's it's Lorraine. Oh, hi there. Hi. We were just talking about Marvel Puzzle Quest, and we thought we should give you a call. For anybody who doesn't yet know, what is your Marvel origin story? What's the first way that you encountered the Marvel Universe? My Marvel origin story starts in my early childhood. My brother was a huge Marvel fan, picking up all the X-Men titles and started getting early drops in a comic book store for a whole bunch of different other titles. Avengers, Hulk had a, a run going at the time. And I just kind of started picking up all his comics and reading them. And nowadays, I read every single trade that comes out. I'm picking up just about everything 
And I'm a big fan of Marvel Unlimited. I'm sure that it comes very in handy working on Marvel Puzzle Quest. Tell anyone who hasn't gotten to play the game yet, what is Marvel Puzzle Quest and what do you work on on the game? So Marvel Puzzle Quest is a match three puzzle RPG. So you match up different tiles into three or more matches, but it's also got a Marvel flavor to it. So you're not just matching up tiles, but you're also using Wolverine or Captain America or even the villains, Doc Ock or Thanos or Doctor Doom in combat against one another in storylines that we've created and versus events against other players. So you're matching up tiles and gaining energy in order to use, you know, Cyclops's Optic Blasts or Wolverine's Berserker Rage or Thanos Snap to influence the board to defeat enemies and work your way up the leaderboards. And how do you work on the game? I am a producer on the game, and I have worked on Marvel Puzzle Quest literally since original concepts all the way on through. So it's been out for nine years. We're actually celebrating our ninth anniversary right this second, but I've been working on it for over 10 years now. And, you know, so much has been added to the game over the years. It seems like there are new characters and things that are being added all of the time. How has it evolved over these past nine years? And what are some of your favorite things that you've gotten to see in the game? I mean, over nine years, a ton has changed, obviously. <laughs> um, so originally, Marvel Puzzle Quest was based out of the Dark Reign storyline. Comics readers would probably know that story from 12, 13 years ago now, but telling our own kind of take on that story. And since then, we've expanded on other storylines. We've written some of our own stuff in association with different Marvel writers like Frank Thierry, working oh, yeah. on the game and doing writing for it. So we've tell different stories in the game, bringing out new characters about every two weeks, which are either brand new characters to the Marvel Puzzle Quest storyline or variants of characters that are already out there. So a different version of Captain America. Like, okay, when Infinity War and Endgame came out, we brought out a version of him with Mjolnir. So is Captain America worthy? We're always trying to figure out new takes on things that are going on in the Marvel Universe, whether that be something that's going on in the publishing world or whether it's going on in the cinematic universe or Disney Plus or something like that. Or, you know, like I said, even in our own takes, we brought out our own characters. Peggy Carter as Captain Carter was actually a, uh, a Marvel Puzzle Quest original that then ended up, we're really happy to see her join the Exiles in, in the comics universe and go on from there. We've introduced a couple other characters like uh, Deadpool Spirit of Vengeance, so Deadpool with the Ghost Rider type feel to him. He has his own flaming taco truck <laughs> and serves out burritos of justice and vengeance. One of our things that we've always done with Marvel Puzzle Quest is to try to tell Marvel stories in a way that makes sense for the kind of methodology that we've got. You know, it's, it's a puzzle game, so you're matching up tiles and things, but even through that, there's stories that you can tell with the characters' abilities and with how they interact with one another. So, like, Captain America can throw his shield and it's reflected on the puzzle board by actually taking a tile and then it can get returned and return you back energy to power up another ability and things like that. So we tell stories not only through writing and the characters interacting, but also on the puzzle board itself. And that's kind of evolved over time. At first, we were more on the literal storytelling side, which we still do do story events and things like that. But we've grown to do a lot more storytelling through character abilities and character fantasies and things like that over time. Well, it's definitely been an epic nine years and happy ninth anniversary and you're celebrating. What can folks check out for this celebration at Marvel Puzzle Quest? 
Yeah, so our ninth anniversary, we brought out two new characters, both kind of X-Men related to an extent. Dupe. Yeah. Who, you know, everyone we love Dupe. loves. Yeah, <laughs> great little floating green guy. He is one of our kind of more special characters in the game because he's a kind of a choose-your-own character character. So he's got a bunch of different abilities that you get to choose from, going from kind of super strength, super power stuff to telekinetics to dropping weapons from other people on their heads uh you know one of the things he's did, did in the comics is kind of open up a hole to dupe space and drop a bunch of mjolnirs onto thor when he was fighting him so that's kind of a, a bit of flavor that we brought into the game too and speaks dupe speak in the game too so that's great and people get out the decoder rings and kind of can work on those um <laughs> And then we also just recently launched Arcade also. So Arcade actually came with his own boss battle that we ran where you were either in Arcade's murder world or trying to go through his actual safe house to try to fight him. And you had to choose with your alliance which one you wanted to tackle first. You know, go into the murder world and try to take him out that way or try to go through his actual defenses in in real life. And then after that boss event ended, we actually opened the character up for players to pick up and he's been doing pretty well the players seem to really enjoy him and now going on into the end of the year is there anything that you might be able to no spoilers but maybe just like a little tiny hint at what we might be getting in the future sure yeah i mean in near future we've actually got a couple of cool costumes that are releasing that give visual variety to the characters themselves uh coming out of murder world where arcade was kind of like in a 16-bit get up we're bringing out a version of wolverine x-force so his x-force outfit but in that 16-bit pixelized thing so you can actually put him in into the game all his animations are all 16-bit and everything like that and then we're also bringing out a speaking of worthy from earlier uh bringing out a version of silver surfer worthy so in the comics at one point he had taken years and years and years and gone forward in time to come back and try to fight thanos and he had become worthy in that time and picked up Mjolnir and everything, so bringing a version of that into the game. Besides the costumes and everything, we're also planning a lot of other features and cleaning up things in the game itself moving forward. You know, we've been around for nine years, and we've got no intention of stopping. Kind of like the Juggernaut in that regard. <laughs> well, there you have it. There's never been a better time to go download Marvel Puzzle Quest if you haven't already, or go hop back into the game if you've been truant. Happy anniversary, Joe, to you and the team. Thanks. Appreciate it. See you again at the 10th anniversary. All right. We'll see you then. Goodbye. Click. Oh, Ryan, you're back just in time. Oh, hi. Had a great chat with Joe. Got all the inside scoop. Um, I'll, I'll tell you about it later. But for now, let's let's keep this show moving. Yep. DC Shoes is teaming up with us at Marvel for this custom line of Deadpool shoes, which is really cool. There's a custom comic book where Deadpool travels back to 1994 to link up with the uh, DC Shoes team members. There's really fun stuff here. It's good, clean Deadpool fun. Uh, There's high tops, sandals. Go on and get them because these will be available globally at select stores and at dcshoes.com on November 5th. 2022 so just right around the corner i want these high tops moving on we have some comic-y goodness demon wars has announced some more wonderful stuff coming from the brilliant mind of peach momoko artist and writer here at marvel this whole series is just packed with some really incredible designs of course demon wars is a mystical take on the groundbreaking marvel comics event civil war it's all written and drawn by peach momoko as i mentioned and the series has already put just a really fun spin on this 
epic that so many Marvel fans love already. And in February, we're going to have the biggest twist yet in its third installment, Demon Wars Down in Flames. It's continuing with the protagonist, Mariko Yashida. But in this installment, we're going to see Civil War collide with story elements from another legendary Marvel Comics storyline, the Phoenix Saga. Super excited for this. And also like perfect mashup Mm. for Peach's style, I think. Just feels right. It's introducing exciting versions of two of the X-Men's biggest stars, of course. Phoenix versus Magic. Super excited for it. And of course, you can check out the latest cover now of Demon Wars Shield of Justice number one that's coming out next month. And then Demon Wars Down in Flames is coming out in February. To learn more, visit marvel.com or just better yet, put it on your pull list and forget about it. Yeah. I feel like we're in a magic renaissance. Fans of Ilyana Rasputin, we get to see her yeah. in Marvel's Midnight Suns. She's, you know, version of her here in Demon War. She's in a lot of the comics. Random celebrities dressing up as magic for Halloween. It's just the best. Super, super cool. You know what else is the best? Marvel's Long Story Short. It's a show that I help produce for us. It's an animated sort of explainer series. And we put up our latest episode this week, which is all about Spider-Verse. And it's real dumb and real fun. And I had a lot of fun making it. We put out our Sam Wilson and Steve Rogers best friends episode recently. We just close the book on our next episode, which I'll just tell you all here is Secret Invasion. And I made sure we animated cows in it. It was very important for me to have cows in that episode. And you know what? They're real funny. I spent some time talking with one of our friends at Marvel Day at Sea the other day. And I spent a long time talking about how the cows are strangely important to secret invasion. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And he was like, what? I don't remember that. And I was like, it's a thing. Anyways, if you haven't read Secret Invasion, (laughs) hold on to your hats, folks. And if you need a primer on Spider-Verse, Check out this episode Mm -hmm. of Marvel's Long Story Short over on YouTube and our social media at marvel.com. And also, while I'm chatting it up, we have a new episode of Marvel's Pull List Podcast, our official weekly podcast about Marvel comics. We tell you about all the new books on sale every week. Our picks this week are the brand new Deadpool number one, which is fantastic. The brand new Secret Invasion number one. Huh, how about that? Which is also fantastic by your pal and my Ryan North. He wrote that. It's real good. And the brand new tiger division number one which is about a new team of superheroes from korea it's real good i like that one a lot and then for our reading club where we pick something on marvel unlimited we are joined by writer owl going back who is a horror writer doing his first marvel work with us and we talk about his marvel's voices infinity comic issue number 19 story werewolf by night which was super cool to see him give his take on wendigo and Jake Gomez, the current Werewolf by Night, and all kinds of fun stuff. So you can listen to this episode on SiriusXM, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also from the podcast universe, Marvel's Wastelanders Doom has another episode coming to you, of course, as part of the multi-part audio epic scripted podcast, Marvel's Wastelanders from Marvel Entertainment and SiriusXM. This is the eighth episode, which is now available to all listeners wherever you get your podcasts. And we have a little clip, so let's listen. But you, on the other hand, ha, I never thought I'd see Dr. Doom grow old and weak. Thought you'd come up with some device to prevent you from aging. That is what the Cosmic Cube is for. Ah, uh, so that's what you're doing here, huh? I bet you tried to get your hands on that shiny box, but you probably got bested by Kingpin. And yet here you are, being subservient to him. <laughs> He's not just Kingpin anymore. 
We love to hear it. But uh, if you want to be the first to find out what happens next, Chapter 9, titled Getting Angry, is now available to subscribers to Marvel Podcasts Unlimited on Apple Podcasts and the SXM app. And in this episode, Valeria, Johnny, and the recorder follow Doom to Hulkland, where Valeria makes a eh, painful choice. It's probably just better if we play a little teaser for you right now. We're headed into some fairly irradiated territory, so Johnny, you'll find a spare Fantastic Four jumpsuit in the side hole to shield you. Recorder and I will be okay. What happens next? Well, I'll set down the Quinjet a few miles away so they don't detect us. And then? We'll help Victor get free. And then? I take the Cosmic Cube. Sleeping giant awakes. Hulk, remember Metal Man. Metal Man tried to kill Hulk. And I have been waiting for a second chance for 30 years. 30 years for my mind and body to strengthen after what you did to me. 30 years to hold what is in my hand. 30 years to end you. All right, there you have it. Subscribe to the SiriusXM app or Marvel Podcast Unlimited on Apple Podcasts to hear episodes of Marvel's Wastelanders one week early. And of course, subscribing to Marvel Podcast Unlimited will also unlock exclusive bonus content. So you might as well do it. All right, it is time for our Marvel Studios chat. It is uh, part of our Marvel Studios spotlight. So once a month, we spotlight the amazing work of all the talented people behind the scenes working on Marvel Studios films and projects. And so I spoke with Rodney Fuentebella, who's the visual development supervisor on a number of projects for Marvel Studios. A lot of it is making sure that you, the listener, understand what a visual development supervisor does and all of the facets of his career. He's worked on so much much cool stuff from the kid Loki and alligator Loki designs in Marvel Studios Loki to the Celestials and the Deviants in Marvel Studios Eternals to stuff from Marvel Studios Moon Knight and so much more. He's great. I'm really happy we got to sit down with him and share a lot of his story with y'all. So let's check it out right now. Hello, Rodney. Hi, Ryan. How's it going? It's terrific. What is your Marvel origin story? How'd you first get uh, to become a fan or even just hear about the Marvel characters? I mean, I was collecting comics pretty late, though, in my 20s. And, you know, I loved reading comics whenever I could. And then it didn't really blossom until, honestly, when I saw the first Iron Man movie and I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. What is this? And then Hulk. And then it just kind of blossomed from there. I... Got a call from Ryan Meiderding when, you know, he was starting this little division in Marvel Studios. It was little back then, too, because it was just Ryan uh, Meiderding and Charlie Wen. And they started this visual development division at Marvel Studios, which at that time, not that many people heard of before. And fortunately, they gave me a call and they gave me a chance. And I was lucky enough to start working on the first Cap movie, 
Avengers and everything else from that point on. And, you know, it's been an amazing journey, I got to say, because it's one of those things where you pinch yourself every day and you go like, all right, they're going to they're going to fire me in the next like three weeks because this is way too cool for me to do. (laughs) And it's been gosh, I was just looking at the calendar. It's been about 11 years of me working for Marvel Studios. So it's been insane. There's a lot of stuff I want to jump on around all that. But so you said you're reading comics in your 20s. Yeah. Was that when you first started reading comics was in your 20s? What was it that got you into comics at that point? Yeah, I, God, I know I was a late bloomer. What can Which I is say? great. I love hearing uh, that. That's so cool. Yeah, I I basically just like went into the comic book shops just to see what's there. And it was intimidating at first because you just see all these comics from all these different runs. And you're like, oh, my gosh, you know, where do I start? And then, yeah. you know, I just picked up whatever covers were great and you know just went from there picked up i think a couple x-men comics i can't remember which ones right now and and then honestly like one of the biggest factors was the how to draw the the art was it god how to draw comics the marvel way marvel exactly exactly thank you right yeah yeah yeah. Um, and oh my gosh like i just looked at it recently and that book is just so torn up like the edges (laughs) are all frayed because i've been i was looking at it so so many times it was just like the works of you know Jack Kirby was there and everything I was like oh my gosh that was like the bible for me of like how to draw and it was just like it was fantastic <laughs> yeah so you said Ryan Minerding who's the head of visual yeah. development he calls you up how did you guys know each other did you work together previously kind of yeah so I knew Charlie when because I went to a a school in the valley in Los Angeles called Associates in Art I met him there he was one of my teachers and then Ryan I met he was my last teacher when I went to Art Center in Pasadena. Uh, he taught a character design class. So I took his class and I didn't know anything about him. I was like, okay, let me just take this class from this guy, Ryan. I was like, oh my God, when I saw his work, I was like, this is insane. And I was lucky enough to even work with him a little bit in Pandemic Studios, which was a game studio in Westwood. I worked with him for a little bit there. So that's how I knew them. And then, you know, I guess they knew that you know, I keep telling people like I'm not a talented person by any means at all, but I work my butt off. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I I just call myself tenacious. I just kind of just go at it and pick at it. And, you know, eventually something might happen. <laughs> so that's kind of how I approach my work and everything. I just kind of grind at it. <laughs> so I'm guessing they realize I, I'm that kind of person and and they saw it in my artwork and they decided to give me a chance. I love that. Okay, so just in the last couple of months when I'm having more conversations with the folks on the Marvel Studios visual development team, more and more I've realized how fertile ground video games have been for your team. And just like you have great artists who will find their way anywhere, but a lot of folks who have come from video games or worked in games for a time, you know, I I know a lot of Marvel fans who listen to this are always curious, how do I get into Marvel? Some way, somehow. And for an artist, like... I think a lot of them may think I have to draw comics, which is one way, but also Mm -hmm. I think video games is probably even more, especially for visual development and your team, a much more potent area. I would say, yeah, I think that's totally a, as you say, potent area, because what we do here at Marvel Studios is we come up with different concepts for our characters, creatures, and, you know, keyframe designs and whatnot. And we just have to iterate, meaning keep doing a design after another design after another design 
until, you know, it gets approved and, you know, we hit it. And it's that sense of uh, just grinding at it and just getting the best work that you can and doing it again and again and again <laughs> <laughs> and just keep um, going at it. So like any budding young artist out there, the thing I would say is just just keep going. I mean, when I started, you know, cracking into this industry or whatever, it's a totally different field. But the one thing that stayed true is keep going at it. Like that's pretty much what I did was just like keep going up that hill and do the best you can every single day. You said you've been in Marvel Studios now for 11 years. So mm-hmm. 2011-ish. Do you know, do you remember what the first piece that you developed for Marvel Studios was? Yes, I do. One of the first pieces I did was I was working on the first Avengers movie. And there was a sequence when Tony gets thrown out the window of Stark Tower and the new Iron Man suit comes down and forms around him and creates a suit. Mm -hmm. So one of the first things I did was create almost like a a poster-sized storyboard of sorts of how that suit would come crashing down in this kind of... uh, torpedo-like device and transform around him to create the suit. So I remember doing that at first and I was like, okay, great. Now do a keyframe illustration to show that in all its glory. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I remember that because it was like, my heart kind of stopped. <laughs> it's like, how do I do this? And looking at the works that Ryan Meinerding did and Charlie and Andy Park, who was starting at the same time I did, like, mm-hmm. It was insane. I was like, oh my gosh, can I actually do this work? (laughs) And I remember talking to my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, and and I was like, I don't know if I can. It just like the work that they were doing was just so next level. And it's just one of those things where like she just said, okay, you know, just go at it and see what happens. And I remember like every day I would just go to work and just try and like get a fraction of that illustration done. But like the Iron Man designs, there's so many like joints and like mechanical things and enveloping that, you know, around a person, not to mention Robert Downey Jr. And putting that all together, jumping out of a tower, making that look all dynamic. I was just like, okay, how is this going to happen? And (laughs) luckily, I, you know, they liked it and um, they kept me around. (laughs) Thankfully, I find it fascinating, too, because... There's no like, hey, I'm good at this, so I'm just going to do this in terms of the art that you guys do. Because I look at the keyframes or the concept pieces or the character designs, and and just like you were saying, you're talking about Iron Man, and there's so many mechanical pieces and things going on there. But over your career at Marvel Studios, you're drawing, you know, giant space gods you're drawing you know (laughs) relatively street level but mystic vigilantes you're you're doing street level heroes in jersey like there's all this stuff is there anything that prepares you for that level of variety and change on a like project to project basis oh god um honestly as an artist it's invigorating it's great it's like oh wow like i've never done this before I remember, I mean, like you said, like I did Kate Bishop and and Clint for Disney Plus and did the Celestials from the Eternals movie. But I remember the first thing I did that made me go, oh, this is different, was when we were working on the first Ant-Man movie. And we had to do some keyframes about how this 
tiny, tiny, tiny character could look heroic in all these situations. I'm like, oh my God. One of the keyframes I worked on, which I didn't know like how to achieve this was when he first donned the suit and he was in the bathtub and creating that look of him being in this bathtub and having the scale feel immense. And, you know, bathtubs don't look heroic. They don't look <laughs> insanely like <laughs> awe-inspiring, but we had to do it. And another one I did was when he was entering the the ant colony's uh, tunnel and looking at what dirt looks like and researching and seeing, like taking pictures of what dirt was. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's a lot of cool textures here. So like every project that we've worked on, the great thing is there's always these different challenges. And I love it. Like it makes my heart kind of flutter a bit because I'm like, oh my gosh, I've never done this before. <laughs> but at the same time, like it's fun because we could see all these things that like, oh my gosh, you know, not only do I see like something I've never done before, but I see my fellow artists working on it and it's like crazy. This is cool. Um, so I love it. I love it. And sure. maybe I have a propensity for doing things that are hard and going through it, but maybe that's just my personality, but it's getting me through all these projects and I'm still doing it. <laughs> There's a saying that nothing worth doing in life is ever easy or something to that effect. So it's okay. Yeah, yeah. little struggle, a little effort. It's always good. You mentioned the uh, drawing comics the Marvel way and, and some of those things and some of those the early comics that you were reading that sparked your, your imagination. Are there other comics or even other pieces of media or like fandoms that you have that inspire the way you've approached your art? Definitely. Like comics is one of those things where it's like I still do now and it's part of my work, so it's great. Uh, but... You know, I, I loved playing video games. I was a Street Fighter guy back in the day. Like, I would go with my friend and we would go to, like, you know, these sketchy convenience stores just to put our quarter in and play those games. So that left an indelible mark with me. And then, like, I love going to museums and just checking out artwork. I used to do a lot of oil paintings and watercolor work. So I would do that a lot and take workshops there was an awesome artist, Jeremy Lipking, that lives around L.A. that I took a workshop with. And he was just like, wow, things like that just totally inspired me. Just seeing other people's work. And, you know, this is back in the day before social media. So you actually had to go to the artist to see their work. Now it's much easier because you just, you know, look and you can see all that great stuff there. But there's something to be said about seeing art being done and seeing the work being created from scratch, from beginning to end. And it's just like awe-inspiring. It makes you go like, oh, if they could do it, maybe there's a chance that I could do something like that. <laughs> you had so. me up until that last part because I I have so many <laughs> friends who are, you know, comic artists or who do something in art. And I just, I watch them and it's like watching a magician, like a true, to me, like I see magic happening. I, I'll sit next to like Adam Kubert and just watching him sketch. We would do a live show for Marvel for a little while and he would get this tablet and I would give him a stupid idea. I would be like, all right, one of the Twitter <laughs> questions came in that was this. So draw, you know, beast from the X-Men, but I want you to give him like a baseball mitt and have him jumping over a car and then everything's on fire. And he'd be like, okay. And then he would do it and I would watch him and I'd be like, how are you creating this with your mind and putting it on paper it so to me to what you're saying it's like it is very inspiring but it also blows my mind to see it happen 
I'm the same way too. I mean, like I've been doing this for years, and when I see people do something, I'm like, how? How do you do that? Like, I stumble all the time when I paint, and it's just like, oh, that's wrong. Oh, that looks like a chicken scratch. <laughs> But I, the only thing I could say is like, when people do things for such a long time, you're seeing like a condensed version of years and years of learning and messing up, and then kind of saying. In their head, like this is the path of how to get a good design or good drawing or painting done, and they've already made like a thousand, a million mistakes that like it's now been whittled down to just a couple. I still envy people like that because my mistakes are always in the hundreds or so. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, there are some crazy talented people out there, but I just, I always just feel like it's just a lot of hard work of just doing something over and over and over again. And sure. hell, I, I'm I'm trying to learn how to play the ukulele, and I'm gonna get a guitar sometime soon. And I have no idea how to do those things. And I'm just gonna go at it and see what happens. And you know, it's just one of those things where it also depends on your personality. Of like, yeah, mm -hmm. I'm just gonna see what happens. And like, I recently started doing well, maybe not recently, but with my work, I've been including a lot of like 3D work using ZBrush, Blender, and all that. And when I started, it was just the hardest thing in the world. It was just, I would pick it up and I'd get so frustrated. I wouldn't even touch it for another like six months because I'm just like, this is no way. But then I would go back at it, you know, for another hour or so and then not touch it for a month and keep going and going and, until eventually like I was able to use it like in the works I did for the Eternals doing the Celestials and the Deviants. And um, even like the first time I did something was for Disney Parks doing the spider bot mm -hmm. i didn't know how to do any 3d at that time and i'm just like i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> and i was stumbling as i was going at it and i think after a while like they liked what the results were i, I liked what happened and how the spider bot came about so i'm the fool who just decided to take something on and uh see what happens from that point <laughs> not a fool my friend you are brave you are you are capable confidence but oh, like no you. hubris which is I love that, that you just were like, hey, I've got this new technique I'm going to try out on a giant project that is going to be seen by millions and millions and millions of people forever. Good idea. Yeah, I, I just kind of jump in with two feet and see what happens. Love it. I love it. I do. I genuinely do. I think we need more of that. We need that that ability to just like to try, right? That's really cool. That's for the Disney Parks team and Avengers Campus, but just like tons of years now, over a decade of doing Marvel Studios projects. I want to ask first, like, The process, really, what does that visual development process look like from when you are first given an assignment? Do they just say, here's a character, here's a story, here's the pitch? What is it that really starts to get you down the path? With every project, with every assignment, honestly, it's very different. When we do something that's very early on, there could be like, uh, we're just starting to write the script. We have maybe a character that we want to develop, see what you could come up with. And then we'd have other assignments where, let's say, the Avengers, like Endgame or Infinity War movies, where we have established characters and we're trying to develop either keyframes to help develop the look of it or moments and things like that. So, But with all those different assignments, it all comes down to what is the problem that we're trying to solve. And I come from a product design background where it's about problem solving mm -hmm. and trying to figure out like what is the best solution to solve whatever assignment we have. And from there, it's like, okay, 
gathering references to see like if there are any references, what's the tone that we want to go for talking with other artists or, or Ryan to see like what is the feel that we want to go for, let's say a character design or a keyframe or a moment or a gag, and then kind of gathering my resources and seeing like what we could do. And then from there, figuring out, okay, what's the best way to solve the problem at hand? Do I paint it out? Do I sketch something out? Do I sculpt something? I don't know. Let me try whatever I feel like works the best. And like back to the Spiderbot one where I felt like, okay, I could draw this out, but I think the best way to go about this and the easiest way, because I do not want to redesign and redraw eight legs over and over and over again. <laughs> so I'm like, let me just sculpt this out. So I try to figure out what's the best tool to use for the assignment at hand. And then from there, pick at it until we get something that looks somewhat decent and then figure out, is this working? Is this not? And once you have enough to work with, or most of the cases are when the deadline's fast approaching, we got to get something done. We're like, okay, this is it. You know, trying to polish it, make it look good and then see what the reactions are. And from there, trying to figure out like, okay, what is your reaction? What do we need to do? How do we solve this? Is it working? Is it not? What parts are working? And then from there, just keep going. Very cool. We've talked about the process and all that stuff. I want to hit on a couple of the actual specifics of, of projects. Two came to mind. One, your Loki stuff, Kid Loki and Alligator Loki. And Alligator Loki to me is so cool that we have Alligator Loki like roaming around the Marvel multiverse. And it's so inspirational that your concepts or whomever has helped breathe this character into existence. I was at New York Comic Con. There was cosplayers with Alligator Lokis. <laughs> One of our licensees, Rock Love, has a necklace with a little Alligator oh, Loki. Oh, that's amazing. Like, yeah. what a world we live in where that exists. <laughs> that's so cool. Was there like something in the script that says, all right, we want like creature versions of Loki or different versions or what was it? Yeah, I mean like... The great thing about working here is like there are some amazing writers here. Yeah. So I'd love to say that like, yes, VizDev came up with it. But, you know, they wrote the part where there's there's going to be an alligator Loki. And so we were tasked with doing some concepts of what that could look like or kid Loki and old man Loki. And those things are fun because it's fuel for us to go with like, oh, my gosh, like I love working on a blank canvas and just saying, go at it, figure stuff out. But when we have something where it's written well and there are some amazing characters like, oh my gosh, I would love to see that. Then we would do something. And, you know, I got to give a shout out to uh, Wes Burt because he designed that and a lot of the things in that show because he does amazing work. And that's one of the great things about working here at Marvel Studios is there's so many amazing artists that I get to work with that like it's an equal amount of intimidation and inspiration that happens working here because <laughs> you're like oh wow that's amazing oh i suck <laughs> <laughs> and then but then you go like okay let me see what i could do as well let me see if like i could do something kind of cool too so that's the cool thing about working here is just there's so many good people here yeah and it feels like a very collaborative environment where you know you get to like toss out a concept for some character that maybe you're not on the lead for, but you get to throw in something and that sparks somebody else and vice versa. I'm sure you've had, you know, your shows and your your films that you've been really supervising and and then somebody helps you get past that one thing that mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. were probably like, trying to crack. Yeah, exactly. I mean, 
maybe an example to that would be like for Hawkeye working on, you know, the Kate costume and coming up with some like ideas of what could be her costume that's, you know, iconic and she's all about the superhero look and talking with some fellow artists and after going to a couple of meetings, playing around with the ideas of like, okay, we could do the chevron and just have that be her like logo and just put it in as many places as possible because that's kind of like fitting her personality of like, all right, we're going to put it on her chest and her shoulder and her forearm and her, you know, her legs. And there's so many chevrons on that design and it's her back even has a chevron. <laughs> so <laughs> it's all about that. And, you know, showing it to my fellow artists and seeing what they respond with and like getting advice from Ryan. It's just like, okay, maybe you could do this or that. Like, it's cool. One of those things that like you're saying it's collaborative working in this place and I'm happy for it. It just makes my work better. And I'd like to say it's, it all comes from me, but it comes from me being in this environment and working with everyone I get to work with. Yeah. You got to design the friggin' celestials or at least help bring them to life in oh, yeah. studios eternals that's great yeah some of my favorite just weird cool marvel concepts i i've it's got to be cool especially that's a wild challenge <laughs> oh my god yeah when we got tasked of working on the celestials it was just like oh what and you know it's like <laughs> oh this is crazy cool and you know i think maybe i'm biased but the work that Kirby did on that series is just like, oh my gosh, like so many crazy cool designs for them. And just, it's uh, far out there in an awesome sort of way. So that was like the premier inspiration for what we did. And yeah, I was lucky enough to design like all the Celestials there. And it was like one of those things where like, okay, let's do some ones that are very Kirby inspired. And then like, I like doing a range of things. So it's like, I would do something that's a little bit more of like, what was seen in the comics. And then I'm going like, oh, let's try something completely off the rails and see what happens and see if it sticks. So for that one, I was like, okay, let me try something that's kind of like, you know, these things are huge. And I remember Ryan was talking to me maybe about this and like trying to get my mind to wrap around what it means to do these <laughs> celestials and trying to figure out the design problem of like, okay, these things are just ginormous and made out of to stars and galaxies and what have you. And you're just like, okay, how do we figure out how to make them look like that? <laughs> and, you know, I came up with the idea of like, maybe they have this look about them that's odd, but, you know, they don't need to walk on a planet. They don't need to grab anything. They're like freaking the celestials. They can do whatever they want to. So that's why I created like these looks where they could come in all shapes and sizes. And they liked it. And I got to see... I call them my babies. I get to see my babies on the big screen. So um, I call all my creations babies. So. <laughs> a recent favorite baby of yours, a favorite from the fandom, I will tell you firsthand experience is Khonshu. Because oh, being at cool. New York Comic Con, seeing the number of Moon Knight, Mr. Knight, and Khonshu and Scarlet Scarab cosplayers blew me away it was fascinating we had a ton of them come by the marvel booth we had costume contests we have video and photos up on all of our channels but the winner of our costume contest was this woman her name was jen she had built a costume based exactly off of the final design for Kanchu, where her face was in the chest of the costume and oh, there's a little amazing. she opens it up to achieve the effect of Kanchu's floating head she had 
very thin sort of sticks that were attached to her head up to nice. the beak, the skull on the beak, and that when she rotated, it would rotate and it looked more like ethereal tendrils than actual like sticks. So they weren't, it wasn't like a very clean thing. It looked, it made it look like there was something cool and floaty and weird oh, going that's on. Great. Yeah. But yeah. that show and your designs have done so much to sort of like galvanize the community. It's really great. That's cool. That's cool to see. I mean, yeah, designing Kanchi was just, it was cool. Like, and I had an amazing team of artists that worked with me. We were doing a lot of different designs of what Kanchi could look like. And from something that felt more regal to something that was more emaciated looking. And then I did a design kind of based on one of my artists that was working with us, Keith Christensen, and he did a design for Moon Knight. So I was like, okay, let me kind of make that be my inspiration to figure out what Kanchi would look like. And then another artist, Constantine, was doing some great designs as well. So the great thing is like, you know, I got inspired from working and seeing what other people have done and kind of taking that and like, okay, let's kind of see, because I wanted to create like a story first of like, if Khonshu is the god of Moon Knight, there has to be some kind of visual connection between both of them. We had to figure out like, okay, what could Khonshu look like so that he feels like he is the god of Moon Knight? And you could see that there are some Moon Knight kind of design cues that you could see from Khonshu, like the crescent moon and the wraps. But for Khonshu, like I wanted the wraps to feel like you're saying, like her costume, like how it felt ethereal. And I wanted that ethereal look with Khonshu as well. I think the VFX team did an amazing job of making Khonshu just look the way he does and look intimidating, godlike, and and scary <laughs> at times. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, hats off to them. But yeah, when, when designing Khonshu, it's like, yeah, I just wanted to feel like there was a connection, but this ethereal kind of like almost abusive at the same time too, like how <laughs> yeah. he was in the show. So it was a fun thing to work on and I'm so glad I got to work on it. Heck yeah. Rodney, before we let you go, anything you could tease, anything you could talk about, about what you, uh, you've been working away on in recent days? Oh, yeah. So been recently working on some upcoming Disney Plus shows that you'll see. Would it be next year? Probably. You know, stay tuned. It's going to be really cool stuff. There are some cool designs that I got to do and cool designs that my team got to work on. So, yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Rodney. Always a pleasure speaking with you, Ryan. Big thanks once again to Rodney. You can, of course, see Rodney's incredible work come to life on the screen in a number of Marvel Cinematic Universe projects over at Disney+. Next week, we're going to be talking to some folks who worked on Marvel Anatomy, a scientific study of the superhuman writer Mark Sumerak and illustrator Jonah Loeb, which is very exciting. Very excited to talk about that book. It's super cool where we're looking through the anatomy of different characters. But you know, next week is the premiere of Marvel Studios' Black Panther Wakanda forever. So maybe we got to ask a question about Wakanda. Yeah. Uh, who is your favorite Wakandan character? You know, there's a ton of characters in Wakanda. You can look at the previous kings. You can look at the members of the various tribes. You can look at the people in the royal family or, or all kinds of stuff. And if you think of the films, there's a lot. If you think of the comics, there's a ton. So there's a lot of really cool characters to talk about. After watching the Black Panther films and reading more of the, the comics that sort of go into the history, 
Queen Ramonda is maybe my favorite. Yeah. She's just a legend. She absolutely is. I also love the Dora Milaje, yeah. Aneka, and Io, especially, mm-hmm. particularly in the world of Wakanda title, yeah. are phenomenal. I love all the villains in Wakanda. Oh. Like, I love M'Baku, who is more villainous in the, in the comics. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, Killmonger is epic. White Wolf, a.k.a. Hunter, epic. Yeah, and White Wolf has some really cool stuff going on in Captain America books right mm-hmm. now, which is really neat. So we want to hear from you. Who are your favorite Wakandan characters? You can tweet your answers using hashtag This Week in Marvel. Email those answers to us at twimpodcast.marvel.com or send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash This Week in Marvel. Please make sure to tell us it is okay to read on the show. All right, let's get into it because our question of the week last week was, what was your favorite moment from the trailer for Marvel Studios' Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania? And there were many, many answers, so let's get into it. First up, we have Suhail Papu at Suhail Papu who said, while the whole trailer is on another level with its VFX, seriousness and all, I loved the song choice, which absolutely paired well with every bit of the trailer giving us chills. Ooh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Next, we've got Star at Star underscore 202708, who said, The scene where the world of particles appears is my favorite. Caroline Cosplay at Caroline Cosplay tweeted, Bill freaking Murray. Okay, I have to just say on a side note, my husband and I rewatched Little Shop of Horrors the other day, and it is such a good movie. I had not seen it in full since I was like a little, little Mm -hmm. kid, and I forgot most of it, and a lot of it went over my head. And Bill Murray as the guy who is really into getting hurt at the dentist is chef's it's a kiss. choice. It's so good. All right. Moving on. Wolver Steve at Wolver Steve said, quite simply, the reveal of Kang the Conqueror. He looks awesome. Yeah, that blue face. Mm. Love it. Jay at Hawk Maestro 21 tweeted, my favorite part in the Marvel Studios Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania trailer was seeing Kang in his full live action form. That was so cool to see. Uzi at Usman Naim said, favorite moment in the trailer was the moment Kang says, this place, it's not what you think. With the visual of the rings and army, excitingly waiting, loved it. It's a Bennigan's. Dun, dun, dun. It's a Bennigan's. <laughs> all right, we got an email from Joe Hoffman who says, I hope this email finds you all doing well. I just wanted to start off this week's message by saying it was great to have you back on last week's show, James. I especially loved your spooky season dramatic reading of one of Marvel's scarier stories, as well as the incredible dramatic readings done by Ryan and Lorraine. Aw, thank you. And in answer to the question of the week, my favorite part of the Marvel Studios Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania trailer was seeing Paul Rudd appear on the screen for the first time. And that's because whenever I see Paul starring in a Marvel movie, I get a big sense of local pride because Paul, like me, is from the suburbs of Kansas City. And it always makes me feel good to watch him do an amazing job starring a Scott Lang slash Ant-Man because it brings the Marvel Universe that much closer to home. Until next week and beyond, I remain your humble ambassador for the People's Republic of this week in Marvel and the United States of Marvel's pull list from the wheat state of Kansas, your buddy, Joe. Aw, thanks, thanks, Joe. Thanks, Joe. And Joe, thanks for all your other updates and your wonderful emails. We read them all, but we get to just certain bits here on the show. 
All right, an email here from Benjamin Axelson, which says, Hi, Ryan and Lorraine. I just wanted to write in to say how incredible I think Marvel Snap is and give it a plug to all the listeners out there who may not have tried it yet. This is the best, cleanest, and player-friendliest mobile game I've ever played. It's an incredible blend of digital and tabletop card games. I love that all comes together to form a unique experience. It's like Hearthstone, Yu-Gi-Oh!, Tesso, Legends, Magic the Gathering, Poker, yes, Poker, and you are enough of a Marvel fan to be listening to this show. I cannot recommend it enough. I'm collection level 229 at the time of writing, and it's fairly casual compared to some of my friends I've made since I started playing this. There are no ads, no loot boxes. F2P is completely viable, and the time commitment fits my annoyingly busy life. If you have two minutes in your day, I promise. I really can't wait to watch this game grow because it's off to an incredible start. Benjamin, thank you so much for your email. I'm glad that the love of Marvel Snap has turned out so well for you. Keep on playing. And folks, definitely go check out Marvel Snap wherever you get your mobile games. It is so fun. My friend Tim, Tim Geddes from Kind of Funny, friend of the show, he did his Halloween costume as Cyclops from Marvel Snap. And he he put a frame around it, like the card in Marvel Snap. It's so good. Like Tim is as in deep as we are. It's so good. I've switched up my deck for Marvel Snap. Now I'm playing a deck I just call Bye Bye Bye. And it's all about like discarding (laughs) and destroying my own cards. My favorite one is Hellcow because she destroys two cards and then like you bring them back and you just completely mess with the other player. It's it's so fun. And the fact that we have Hellcow in a game and I have three different versions of her. Amazing. It's tremendous. All right, we've got an email in here from Kevin Helfman. I wanted to share some of this email, and I shared... Kevin also sent a document along with it, a little PowerPoint presentation I shared with the team. And Kevin said, I'm especially grateful for Ryan providing one of my favorite moments of my teaching career. Just recently, Agent M graciously provided the students in my Marvel class a generous amount of comics. Building up to this moment, we were reading Ms. Marvel's first 11 issues by G. Willow Wilson. The students adored the story arc, so of course we followed up with the first episode of Marvel Studios' Ms. Marvel. After highlighting the amazing cameo by Ryan, I told my students a surprise was coming. The day I brought in the comics and saw the excitement from my students was truly a ding-dang delight. When I busted those comics out, they were overjoyed and shocked that Agent M sent the comics. It was adorable. In addition, we are also finishing up Spidey by Robbie Thompson, which has been a blast. Some other highlights have been playing Alien Racer Cheese, as well as the love my students have for It's Jeff. And coming soon will be a deep dive into Black Panther and Lorraine's suggestion of the brilliant Young Avengers by Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey. As for the question of the week from last week, it would be so cool to have a Strange Academy Halloween dress up with my students. Students are the best. And uh, Kevin attached a bunch of thank you notes for me that I really just go for us here at the whole team. So thank you, Kevin, for that. That was really, really sweet. So nice. And also shout out to all of your students. Those those messages were just wonderful and adorable. And it was so nice to get to read all of that. And on that note, let's wrap it up. This episode of This Week in Marvel was produced by Zachary Goldberg, Isabel Robertson, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Panagos. Our senior manager of audio production and development is Brad Barton. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. And special thanks to Hell Cow, one hell of a cow and milk that's made of blood. It's Hell Cow. She's a vampire cow. Get your milk blood today. Hell Cow. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. This is Marvel. Your universe. Goodbye. Click.